Welcome to the author who came to tea. Other beverages are available. Our guest today works as a pig farmer, a postman and a primary school teacher. And his most recent middle grade title, The Midnight Guardians, was the Guardian's Children's Book of the Year and has been lauded as a future children's classic. Welcome, Ross Montgomery. How do you take your tea? Oh, that's a really good first question. Uh, how do I take my tea? I'm trying to stop having it with one sugar, but I found that's a really difficult thing to lose. So at the moment, milk and one sugar. Thank you. Um, in the like introduction, um, Grace said that you were a primary school teacher. Um, do you think that helped your writing in any way? You know what? I've been trying to work this out for years. I think the answer has to be yes. Just because I spent so much time, I think um, I was a primary school teacher for about seven years. Um, and I just spent most of the time, like just overhearing things that the children I was teaching would say and stealing them. Um, in fact, I'm trying to think of an example that I might have, I think a lot of it was um, just really having the chance to listen to how children actually talk to each other. Um, instead of just trying to remember what I was like when I was 10. But there was an example in the, um, the book that I am currently finishing right now, which is going to come out in November, uh, another middle grade title called The Chime Seekers, which is um, a sort of, uh, it's the next book along after The Midnight Guardians, but it's not a sequel. That contains an idea that I literally stole from a child that I used to teach. But I did get in touch with him and say, do you mind if I steal that idea? Because that is brilliant. And it'll be in the acknowledgements. I'm not just going to take his money. But um, I honestly do think it's helped. Uh, and uh, I think, obviously, I'm not doing as many sort of school visits as I used to. Um, but that, I think, has always kept me in touch with that as well. Of just sort of reminding myself, you know, how children actually talk and what kind of things they care about. What was the main thing that inspired you to write for children? Was it working in a school or was there something different? If this is another thing. I, I have spent a lot of time trying to work this out because I've never really tried writing for adults, not properly. Um, and I don't know if I'd be very good at it. The only explanation I can think of is another author who I've completely forgotten who it was, but another children's author once said to me that you write books for the age that you were when books sort of blew your head open and you realised what they could do. And I think that makes sense to me. I think that I remember very vividly being about 10 or 11 when I suddenly realised what you could do with a story. Um, and I think that's the age where I cared most about books. And so because of that, I've always, I, I just can't, I keep gravitating towards doing it. Um, and who knows, maybe one day I'll write a terrible book for grown-ups, but uh, that's not not yet. Um, so it says on your website that you met the Queen. Now me and Grace were like having a bit of a like uh, debate about this, whether this was like a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was so nicely worded. Like, we think you might be, how do you say, lying? <laughs> um, so did you actually meet the Queen? I did meet the Queen. I, um, my primary school that I went to uh, was in uh, Windsor Great Park, which is right by Windsor Castle. Um, 
and it was oh, I think the school was originally built for um if you like worked for the queen then one of the sort of benefits of the job is you got to go to this uh, school which is you know Windsor Great Park is really beautiful so it was, it was like a really nice place to go um, and my family didn't work for the Queen but we lived quite nearby so they let me they let me join but because it was in Windsor Great Park the royal family would like visit all the time like I think I remember maybe oh, I remember maybe like three different times in my childhood meeting or like, you know, being in uh, like the royal family visiting, that kind of thing. Um, and I uh, I was a choir boy in, there's like a chapel in Windsor Great Park, just a small one, um, where I think it was the one, I'm fairly sure it's the one, when the Duke of Edinburgh had his funeral recently, I think the service was in that very small chapel. Um, but that used to belong to the Queen Mother, uh, who was the Queen's mother. And uh, she was there all the time, basically. But yeah, the very first time that I ever fainted in my life was midway through a hymn that we were singing. And I just completely passed out and like took out the kid next to me with my head as I went over. Um, and the last thing that I remember as I after I'd come to and they were like shakily leading me out was just looking over my shoulder and like the entire royal family were just sat in like their special box or whatever, like peering over. It was, um, I mean, I want to say that it wasn't hugely embarrassing, but I do remember it very vividly, so it probably was. Um, what do you think about all of the current goings on with the royal family? Well, that's a really good question. Oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin. It's a, it is a weird one because, um, I think because they were, <laughs> this is going to sound strange, because they were quite a weird presence in my childhood, like we used to see them the whole time. There was this thing that the school used to do, which I think is very strange now I look back on it, which is that for a few weeks in the summer, we wouldn't have afternoon lessons. Instead, we would, the whole school would go and sit by the road and wait for like all the royal family's Rolls Royces to drive past and would wave at them. <laughs> and then they would go back to school. So I've got this weird thing where they were such a part of my childhood that I feel quite, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> I feel quite sentimental about them. Uh, but I, I also feel that whenever anyone says to me, I think, you know, the fact that we have a royal family is just very old fashioned and there's lots of problems with it. And, you know, I don't believe in it. I find it very hard to argue with that. I don't know if there's many arguments that stand up against people going, this is a huge amount of money. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. A very different question here. But um, <laughs> when anything goes wrong with like the internet or like tech, um, like, me and Grace and Jackie, we all like curse the sharks. We all just curse the sharks. Um, what do you normally say or do when something technology wise goes wrong? Um, I could find out right now by looking at all of like the videos I have of all of the various Zoom school visits over the last year that have gone catastrophically wrong, but I'm too frightened to because the memory of it is so awful. I imagine that I don't say anything. It would just come out as a guttural noise, like, ah! 
Um, but yes, or maybe even just like absolute wide, like wide-eyed silence. I think it's one of the reasons why I've been to lots of um, uh, what is it? Normally, uh, or under normal circumstances, uh, I used to go to lots of book launches, and they'd be in a bookshop, uh, like Jackson Diego, and um, people would have wine, and there'd be like a speech. But those haven't been able to happen for a while. Uh, and they're all over Zoom. And I've been to a few and they've been fantastic. But for me, the idea of launching my book and something going wrong with Zoom makes it even now, like my stomach hurts thinking about it. Um, it's just the worst thing ever. Um, during lockdown, others have found it hard to keep motivated. How did you manage to motivate yourself? I think the weirdest thing for me has been that I discovered that... Um, I really, I need to keep myself busy in order to just sort of like get by. And I think I didn't realise that before uh, lockdown, just because I was able to go and do whatever I want. And, you know, if I wanted to walk to the other side of London to buy a packet of screws, I would and did. Um, I think that the main thing that kept me going was just knowing that I needed to like be as busy as possible. But I was also very lucky that um, when lockdown first began, and I think uh, people have gotten like a little bit more used to it now, but that first lockdown was really like just frightening and no one knew what what on earth was going to happen or what they had to do. But I was very lucky that at that point uh, I had to start writing my new book, but my editors knew how distracted I get and I tend to like slightly go off piste and write whole characters that don't need writing so they'd made me write out a chapter by chapter plan where every chapter just had bullet points where it's like you're writing this you're not writing anything else and that was great because every day I could just sit down and I had a list of uh just it would be like today you're writing this chapter and these 10 things have to happen in it and that was I think if I was um having to be a bit more creative or something, I would have really struggled. Um, I One of the things that I know from other authors that has been the hardest from, you know, a year of lockdown is our imaginations are not there because we're not doing new stuff. And it's only by putting yourself in new situations and experiencing new things that you spark that bit of your brain. So um, I'm a little bit nervous. I've started the process of writing my brand new book that's going to be out in 2023. And I am worried that I've just like my brain feels old and dusty. Uh, so I'll I'll work on that. It says on your website that you have like a cacti on every surface. <laughs> do you like how do you manage to keep them alive? Uh, we don't is the answer. They die horribly. Um, in fact, let me, you won't be able to see this podcast listeners, but I'm just turning the camera around to show just a variety of cacti. There we go. There's that bad boy there. Brilliant. Um, I love where I live. It's brilliant, but it is also, we don't get much light in the flat. So my flat is just filled with dying plants and they're not even, they don't have the grace to do it quickly. They're just like slowly withering over months. And every now and then we'll go, let's buy another one. And then we put it in the flat and we watch it die. Which is weird, cactus is cacti, they're supposed to be like survivors. They're supposed to be hardy. Don't know what we're doing wrong. This is kind of a strange question, 
but I feel like this might be something that I just do, but I name my plants. Does anybody else do that? You know what? I've wanted to do it, but then I thought if we're going through them at the rate we're going through them, <laughs> would it make it more tragic? Uh, where's John? John! No! <laughs> But I have noticed that. I've noticed lots more people are doing that now. I think it, it might even be, like, I think it's become more common when we've been spending more time inside our flats, that it's nice to feel like you're surrounded by, like, a little group of watching plants. I mean, I've, I've worded that quite badly, but you never know. So I guess now we're getting onto the more, like, booky questions. <laughs> um, so do you have a favourite book that you have written? Ooh. I tend to get asked this question a lot when I speak to, when, if I go to schools or if I speak to a class online, they always want to know what's the favourite one that you've written. Um, and the answer that I always give is I couldn't possibly say. It's like asking a parent who their favourite child is. Um, and I, th I do think there's a lot of truth in that. But the weird thing, I do also think that most authors, if you ask them what their favourite book is and they're being honest, they always say it's the last one they wrote. And I think it's because, um, I think part of it is because of how long it usually takes to write a book. Um, I am a bit slower than a lot of authors I know. Um, Midnight Guardians took me about uh, something between a year and a half to two years. Uh, and a lot of authors I know, you know, they don't, they don't have that long. They write something in maybe eight months. Um, and I've done that, but I don't think I'm very good when my books are written in eight months. I think they're a little bit weaker. But that amount of time with characters that you're inventing and, you know, I, I write almost every single day. So you really do get to, like, live inside it. I think at the moment, my favourite one for that reason is probably The Midnight Guardians. Um, I am really proud of it. I, I, I think it might be the best thing I've written. Um, but if you asked me that question in a year's time, I'd be like, The Chime Seekers, my new one, obviously, it's amazing. Uh, although I'm with The Chime Seekers, the one that's out in November, uh, I'm currently at the final, final, final proofread, like going through that. I'm not going to be able to change anything after this. And I think that whenever I am at this stage, I tend to freak out a little bit because uh, I can't change anything now, it's all done. And I'm reading it going, oh, this is terrible. Like they're gonna burn this. They're gonna build bonfires and burn them. Um, but I, I, so at the moment I don't like it, but in a year I might love it. Do you prefer writing picture books or chapter books? And does that change when it comes to reading them? Ooh, that's a really good question. I would say, I think my, the, Deep down, I think I'll always have like a greatest love for writing chapter books. I think for me, you know, uh, a 300-ish page uh, novel for 8 to 12s is like, that's the kind of book that I, I love the most. And that's what I really want to write. Writing picture books is great fun because I can do it so much faster. Like the word count is anything from between 400 words to, I mean, absolute maximum 1,000 words. And even though I think when you write fewer words, you really do have to care about how good every single word choice is, and you go over it a lot. But just because it's so, I mean, um, Midnight Guardians is, I think, 78,000 words. Um, just the act of, like, fixing it and tweaking it 
um, a picture book is so much easier. When it comes to reading out loud, um, it really kind of varies on the book. I mean, when I do, uh, let's say if I'm doing a session with a school on the Midnight Guardians, I always like to read that first chapter because it's sort of very short uh, and it's very mysterious and it sets things up in a sort of um, intriguing way, hopefully. Um, but I've got a new picture book coming out in August called Ten Delicious Teachers, which is my first rhyming book. And it's about uh, ten teachers who go skipping through a forest and they get eaten by monsters one by one. So it's like a counting book. And I am so excited about reading that out loud. I just think, it, it, I mean, I could be wrong. I could do it and kids hate it. But I just think it'd be so much fun. I get to rhyme and I get to do silly voices and I get to do a bit where I go, and now there's only, and hopefully they all go like four, or they'll just be silent and I have to go, four. You, you say four now. That's <laughs> Um, we've spoken to Holly Hughes, who's another picture yeah. book writer. Um, she said that it takes quite a while for a picture book to be finalised. Um, how was your experience with that? Oh, it's, I think she's absolutely correct for one. So much of publishing involves an awful lot of waiting around. Um, but I think I feel it uh, more strongly when I write a picture book because I think my job gets done but then an illustrator has like 32 pages to draw so it takes a really long time but I think what was it 10 delicious teachers I think I handed that in and it was done completely finished I think maybe a year and a half ago um and I'm sort of just waiting for it to come out um but I think I'm maybe being a bit spoiled I think I just need to accept that like somebody has to do so much more work than I do on it. Um, what was it? I'm thinking my very, very, very first book um, was, came out in 2013 and it was called Alex the Dog and the Unopenable Door. But even that, I think uh, a publisher bought it off me and then I worked on it for a year and then they delayed the release for a year. And I, that was just like two years of sort of, you know, knowing that I was going to publish a book and then sort of kind of just having to sit on it for two years. And people would say, like, oh, I've heard you've written a book. What's it called? And I'd go, I don't know, because it's not out yet. I felt like a liar. Um, this is kind of a break from the booky questions, but it says on your website that in your pockets will be empty crisp packets. What is your favourite flavour of crisps? Oh, this is going to be so depressing. I like. I wish the answer was not this, but I really like meat-flavoured crisps. Like, it's just, it's a truly depressing answer. Like, at least I'd want to be, like, a bit more, like, sophisticated. They're just steak flavour McCoys. They're just, they're great. <laughs> On your website, it says that your writing heroes are Terry Pratchett and Jacqueline Wilson. Um what inspires you most about them? Oof. I think that, sorry, I, I, if I remember, I discovered Jacqueline Wilson's books first, probably when I was about seven or eight. And I think what struck me with her was, first of all, I couldn't, I think at that time she'd written like 80 books and now it's over 100. 
And I just couldn't believe that. It, it totally blew my mind that somebody could write that much. And I, I really, um, I liked writing stories and I really sort of idolised her for doing that. But I think also up until that point, all of the things that I loved reading uh, were funny books um, and uh, things like The Beano. And I think with her, I was really struck by the fact that she wrote about quite sad subjects and she'd write about children who were not having a very nice time at school or maybe struggling at home for whatever reason. And that really spoke to me in a way I don't know if I was expecting, um, that it, it, I found it really comforting to read about children who were struggling in some way or another. And I think that that's something that I've always ended up doing in my own books. Uh, I'll always, you know, I want to write books that are funny and adventurous, but I also want them to be quite um, emotionally driven. And I think it's maybe come from that and just that sort of absolutely landing with me when I was young. And then I think um, when I said earlier that uh, you write for the age that you were when books blew your head open, I think it would have been being 10 or 11 and then discovering Terry Pratchett. Um, and I'd read his books for children already. I think I've read like Truckers and Diggers and Wings and The Carpet People. But it was reading a Discworld book when I was about 10 years old, um, just because I, I think I found them... Uh, the covers were so interesting and detailed and I knew they were books for grown-ups and I found that a little bit daunting uh, but I, I really wanted to give them a try and I just couldn't believe that you could do the things that he did with words um, like the Discworld books are so imaginative and cleverly written and funny but also like often they're really moving um, and I think for me that was the moment where I was like this is what I want to do like I want to write stories that make other people feel the way that this is making me feel right now. I want to mix all of those things together. And it's quite odd that um, I think that he, you don't question it when he does it just because he's so good. He's just an incredible writer, but actually that balance of humor and um, sort of maybe more emotional writing is really, really, really hard. Um, definitely the hardest thing that I find to do uh, and the thing that needs the most work when it comes to editing is making sure that like the jokes aren't like really like wait this is a sad bit yeah no this is just not working at all but um the way he balances those two things off I think is um masterful um how do you research for your books interesting so the Midnight Guardians was the first book that I've written where I had to do actual, like, proper research. Um, I mean, with maybe uh, Max and the Millions that came just before it, uh, the main character of that book, Max, was deaf and wore hearing aids. So I had to do, like, talk to lots of people and, like, sort of educate myself a bit more about um, what it's like to uh, be... Um, what it's like to be deaf, what it's like to be a deaf child in a hearing school... But with The Midnight Guardians, it's the only book I've ever written that's actually set in the real world and during a real period of history. And I had no idea how to go about researching that. So my approach was to try and do everything at once in a very inefficient way. And I think I did too much research. Um, and if you, 
go back and read those sort of first drafts, you can really see it because I'm just regurgitating all of this stuff that I've learned um, rather than writing a story. I'm not sure. I def If I was going to do it again, uh, do another historical book, I'd probably do it a bit better. I'd be a bit more efficient. But I've also, I think I've discovered from, I think I'm now on my like 21st book, something like that. And um, I've also discovered that I, I'm getting better at avoiding certain mistakes that I make. But also I just make the same ones every single time. And you just have to sort of go into this, like for me, go into this mess and then eventually, a year and a half later, I emerge with a book shaking from head to foot. Um, it was difficult with uh, The Chime Seekers because that was written in lockdown. And any research that I might normally have done, maybe by going to the British Library, I couldn't really do. I just had to rely on seeing what I could find on in like online archives and uh, by reading lots of fairy tales. Um, so I think it'll feel a little bit different in that respect. But then it is all set in the realm of an evil fairy. So I just made stuff up. It's great. Um, do you have a book that was your favourite to like write? <laughs> the one I definitely, the one I've had the most fun writing was uh, I wrote a book of Christmas horror stories called Christmas Dinner of Souls. And it was just so much fun. I, I think, I hope that it maybe comes across when you're reading it, how much fun I was having writing it, that I think um, in most of my books, I'll tend to have like a scary bit. Um, and I think at that point, my editor had been complaining about it a lot, going like, stop putting scary bits in this funny book, like it doesn't work. And I was like, right, well, I'll show you. I'll write loads of scary bits. And I think just having that freedom to do it, um, but also I think I think I just quite like writing terrifying scenes. I think I know what it feels like to be scared a lot. Um, so writing about it was brilliant, but also just working out like, how am I going to scare a child just the right amount? Like not enough to physically upset them, but enough that when I read it out loud to classes of children, they'll go, <laughs> That's what I want. So the one minute challenge is, is yes, yeah, a challenge um, where you try and answer as many questions from our list as you can in one minute. <gasps> oh my God. Right. I'll stop giving such long answers. I love talking, but I'll do better. <laughs> okay. Grace, do you have a timer on you? Okay, I have the timer up, so I'm ready to go when you are. Okay. <laughs> okay, so. What book most influenced you or inspired you as a child? Mort by Terry Pratchett. What is your favourite word? Uh, 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 uh it's a German word. What, how do you like your tea? Uh, milk with one sugar. If you were Where's Wooly, where would you hide? Um, in a room full of people wearing stripy red and white jumpers. Pencil or pen? Uh, ooh, pen. What is your favourite children's book now? Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Paper or computer? Oh, computer every time. Mystery or horror? Horror! Famous Five or Secret Seven? 
Never read Secret Seven, so Famous Five. Cake or biscuits? Oh, biscuit. Blog or diary? <laughs> diary. Who is your favourite author? At the moment, probably Neil Gaiman. Um, illustrator? Ugh! Um, I, I, I just love David Litchfield. I think he's brilliant. Poet? <laughs> no! I thought that was like 10 seconds. Oh, I got thumped. Got I think I did nine. How many? 13. Ah! <laughs> I can't believe it. It's because I panicked, I think, on about three questions. I forgot how to speak. Thank you very much for joining us, Ross Montgomery. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Honestly, this has been such a delight. Your questions have been amazing. And that royal family one really threw me. So you guys have got a future in this. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our guests today and our listeners at home for joining us for tea. Until next time, 